Welcome back to the Bridge Podcast. I'm super grateful you're here. And before we start, I'm going to let a few moments go by to just let my gratitude sit in. Um, I don't know where you are, what you're doing, but I appreciate you you listening. All right, and today is episode 139. We have a special guest, Owen Zubek. Um, and I'm excited to to hear Owen's story. One of my early mentors, Jarrell Cison, talked a lot about him and all the things that he's doing. So I'm excited to finally get to hear his story and just uh, talk today. So Owen, I really, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. I uh, really appreciate guys reaching out and uh, having me air my thoughts out here and tell a little bit of my story. Yeah. So do you just want to start off, um, just give a quick background to people who don't know you, who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Owen Zubek. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. I am in a family of five uh, awesome family members and our brothers, my older and younger brother, um, taught me everything that is in my blood, essentially about creative work, artwork, um, anything that had to do with photography or film. Um, it all kind of stems from our family just being really, really savvy and close to skateboarding and, you know, a bunch of different extreme sports growing up. So, uh, you know, what we did in our backyard growing up was building ramps, you know, just making uh -huh. all these cool little obstacles for us to try and learn tricks on. And my entire life, I think, you know, up until this point has been rooted in that activity of just like simple trial and error in practicing skateboarding or BMX riding. And you know, more specifically to skating, because there's like, well, here, there's even a picture behind me of me skateboarding that Max painted. Uh, but it's like, it's just had such a slow, slow, slow progression in my life that it's never gone away. And, you know, learning how to make little videos. I just remember that was like one of my faintest memories uh, growing up with my brothers. We would make little edits in our backyard, um, mm. just trying different tricks. So it was, it was that from the beginning and it blossomed into something a whole different way uh, years later when I just got a little bit more curious about media and anything that relates to cameras. Dude, I love that so much. And I was thinking about the other day, I was journaling Sam and uh, me, Sam and Sam's best friend, Colin, when we were growing up, we would sit in front of the TV with Madden music playing in the background and we'd act like like announcers and we called it kiss fm apple because it was like kiss fm and then apple the like tech company and um we used to record ourselves like talking and as soon as i think about that i'm like oh my gosh like we've been doing this our whole lives you know what yeah, i mean man. exactly and i don't know if we can find those those recordings but um to like your story of like trial and error with the skateboard and then ever since you were videotaping i think it's super cool to see what you do as a child and how you translate it into what you do now absolutely man yeah absolutely it's just been an entire storyline whether it was watching videos of other people playing a video game of someone skateboarding or it was me skateboarding or it was one of my friends who went to the skate park it's like just this whole culture that surrounds a very simple activity that's just flipping around a board, a piece of wood with wheels on it, um, and seeing how you can land with both feet, you know, face side up the right way and roll away. So um, that just taught me a lot of lessons and kind of blossomed into something, you know, completely different, you know, years later, like I said. So uh, yeah, it's been close to my heart ever since. 
That's awesome. Um, when did you kind of intertwine the the filmmaking media side of things with skateboarding? When did that kind of click for you or were those all were they always just kind of symbiotic? Well, it's interesting that we all have kind of a uh, silver lining tied to uh, Darrell Cisone, uh, our theology teacher in high school. And um, I'll start with that because my entire time outside of class in high school um, was experimental. It was a lot of self-directed just activities that um, whether I didn't want to do my homework or I didn't want to like study for a test or prepare for something, I was wanting to experiment with whatever camera I had on my hands at that time. So mm. naturally, after school, we had moved from out of Cleveland into Strongsville, and we were working on our house at the time and our family. So like, I was trying to get out of the house a little bit just to like, you know, get out of the construction dust mm. and like not have a yeah. whole bunch of loud noise. So I was sitting there in the Metro parks, like skating, just like videos were recording the whole time. I'd set it up on, you know, the grass or the side of the path. And I would just shoot random clips, like go mm. out on a little mission, have the camera bag on me and see what I came back with that night. And there was like nothing more energized and pent up in my system than wanting to go edit and see like what actually came out from this afternoon. Mm. And that, as soon as I started going and editing those projects, I was like, well, maybe I could add music here. I could like add extra effects. And then the next step was sharing it, you know, see what people think about it. So next couple, you know, weeks, months down the road, I'm sitting there uploading every other edit that I recorded in the Metro parks on Instagram and seeing what people think. And then that kind of turned into, Hey, can you, you know, shoot a video for me? Or, Hey, can you shoot some photos for me? Do you got a camera? And you know, that whole conversation starts. So um, yeah, that's where it really kind of like let off though. I love that. That's great. When you, um, when you started, you know, so you're filming for yourself, doing your own clips. When the people started coming in to ask you like, hey, is this something that you do? How did you go about like, did you have any imposter syndrome? Like, because were you, you were basically self-taught with the camera work, right? Mm -hmm. How did you go about that? And like, understanding that like, hey, this is something I'm, I'm good at. How do I turn this into, you know, a career path where I can help these people out? I think knowing in in your own spirit like knowing in yourself that you always are a student and you're always learning um, at every opportunity or every next day on the job um, that's just like a thesis that I kept very close to my chest throughout the entire time while I'm going and showing up to a random event to go shoot photos or videos for people um, there's like that cliche saying like you know like fake it till you make it but um, it's not necessarily rooted in like oh you just got to be fake to the point where you know someone trusts you it's more walking and airing on the side of how confidently do you walk in with your tools to a job and you know execute what is exactly planned or what was discussed prior um you know there's a lot of language and just being able to tell someone this is what i'm doing for you and this is how it's going to look this is what we can expect to see there's going to be X, Y, and Z variables in the way that might, you know, arise as a hurdle. And as soon as, you know, you just walk into your next video shoot, you've already learned from your last three that there's a couple things you probably shouldn't be doing, you know, or you don't want to make that mistake <laughs> again. Like here, turn on your, on your microphone and make sure everything's synced up before we start recording an hour long interview, you know, like things like that. Like it's very, very, very simple um, to overlook those small objectives and hurdles in the way, but um, you know, myself, going back to your original question, 
I just wanted to go and be optimistic every single time mm. I landed a next job. So if I felt a little bit uncomfortable, sure, I might have been the guy in the corner on top of the table, like taking a picture with my camera up in the air. But uh -huh. hey, like I had to put myself up there with my camera in the air to know if that shot wasn't going to be good on the next job. So little things like that um, kind of just reign true every single job or opportunity you get. So I, I love how there's so many different meanings and interpretations to the phrase fake it till you make it because it like right out of the gate, like as it kind of leaves, leaves your mouth after you say it, it kind of gives like a negative connotation almost. Um, but I like the way that you described, you know, how it just kind of reminds you to always be a student. Um, the way that I kind of perceived it in my field of fake it till you make it is uh, kind of relying on my ability to adapt as, you know, as you go. So it's knowing, hey, I don't know everything about this certain area yet, but I'm confident in my ability to adapt and, you know, come up with a solution for whatever problems may occur. So, yeah, I think like, you know, echoing that it's it's really on every job. I think like every activity mm -hmm. that we as humans will like dissect, try and like dilute all the different pieces of information and how to like learn or become habitual with some type of process, whether it be like working out or, you know, working on what type of food you prepare for yourself in the morning. There are so many ways you can get caught up in what's comfortable, what's like your default. And I thought every single time uh, someone would call me or shoot me a DM, I'm like, why is someone asking me for they're they're served like they need some type of video made they need some type of photo gig or some type of recap content on this it, like it almost kind of dumbfounded me at a for a second i'm like why would you trust me and then i flipped the coin over i'm like well if i if i'm actually confident with what it is that i'm shooting and i hold that as a standard there's there's going to be a natural learning curve happening so as I go on YouTube and search, you know, what's the latest and greatest way to edit in Lightroom or learning how to do certain type of mask effects in Photoshop, like all of those are students like, like assigned assignments, like we, we, we I'm making my own assignments pretty much every single day, um, and how I want to learn. So yeah, I think video is like a great space to be able to experiment so easily with that similar to skateboarding, honestly. When did you, um, start so were you vlogging was that in high school and then sam when were you vlogging like how did that line up with you two did you guys have any interactions like talking about that stuff or no i think so i think we did yeah. have a little bit of of conversation on the sidelines sam about yeah oh just content and like getting cameras out just to shoot something i remember i had done uh, a series of vlogs, just essentially recapping what I was doing at that time. So in high school, I would go around, like I got my first car and then I'm like graduated going into college. So I like, I had all these different little opportunities of time for me to just go capture something, whether I'm like going to the store, or I'm going to like uh, some type of new gig, or we're going to the studio to go, you know, just talk about some idea and tell the story. Those things were like little small conversations. I think Sam and I started talking yeah. about class, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah because I, I remember we, we started around the same time. I mean, it was like senior year of high school for me when I kind of started that and we're like, you know, experimenting with it. And I think we did. I do remember having a couple conversations with you about it more so because you knew all of the camera stuff. Well, uh, 
especially compared to my very small knowledge of it. Um, I think we definitely sparked up some conversations about that for sure. Yeah, dude, it was a lot of, I think, you know, our, our curiosity that stemmed inside of social media at that particular time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this is a really interesting generation. I think like cumulatively everyone our age that's in their like early twenties right now is a digital native and grew up with an iPhone or an iPod or iPad in their hands, you know, their entire childhood. So like seemingly we're a little bit more above the, the insight and average, you know, intelligence about how to operate technology. And when we're going through these social media apps, it's like, we're all so curious. We see the next video and it's like, they're educating someone, a podcast pops up here. They're having a great conversation about X, Y, and Z topics. It's like this perfect little window of time for us to be kind of savvy and experiment with it, which is what honestly I applaud you guys for um, on this awesome podcast, because I had no idea that this was, you know, a platform that you guys were working on in the background. And I mean, I was scrolling past, I was like, dang, there's, there's a catalog of content here. There's a lot of conversations yeah. that have been had. So um, kudos absolutely to you guys. I think it's cool how all of our, not our things, but it kind of stemmed from our high school experience, even, you know, just being around, I don't know. I think St. Ed's brings a unique like group because everyone there, whether it's academically, athletically, um, whether they're in the theater or band, like they want to be like that excellence things that we talked about, like they want to be excellent in their craft. And I think I learned a lot from other students, people in like their own ways just doing their own thing. And it gave me a lot of inspiration, like creativity to go on with the things that, that we did because they wanted to be excellent in, you know, whether they were on YouTube or whether they made poems or like seeing like the theater kids craft, like when those kids did like a presentation in class, I was like, Oh, I was like taking notes. Like they do this thing. And like the inflection in their voice, this one dude, Connor Fairfield dude spoke with so much confidence. Anything he would say, I'd believe it hands down. Like, that's just what I just because I learned from him. But I think it's interesting the the space that they created for us to to all be together, but pursue our own things and learn from each other. Yeah, and absolutely. I think uh, social media, you know, particularly, I think a lot of my interest in, you know, especially what I do nowadays uh, for my job, you know, all of the different layers of content and you know the curiosity of being able to browse on youtube and like search any idea type it in and see what videos come up or see what someone has released on x y and z topics like that singular lane for me the fact that it is a platform on youtube where you can go and search and seemingly have just this endless funnel of education to teach yourself that was like a really valuable tool in the tool belt because for me, I, not everyone has time to go converse with somebody and, you know, like run through all these different questions about like what it is that I need to figure out about this activity that I'm learning about or whatever China, you know, craft I'm doing. And if, if it was me, I'm sitting there like, I need to get a leg up and see how I can learn more every single time. So naturally, it's going to take more opportunities. 
which inherently takes more searches. Like it's just more education that's going on. So I would treat YouTube sessions at night uh, almost like a, an extra lecture. You know, I'd sit there and take down notes, uh, learn about like, you know, the, the latest and greatest things that I wanted to put into my workflow. So yeah, social media is awesome. <laughs> Definitely. Um, what do you do now full-time? Are you still a student or, I mean, we haven't caught up in a long time, so I'm pretty, yeah, man. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked because I, uh, I don't actually, you know, publicize too, too publicly, you know, like what I'm doing or a mm -hmm. lot of my different work that I, uh, actively am, you know, churning out every single day, but my full-time job now, I work as the social media creator and marketing manager at J rock development. So what we are is a real estate design collective. We focus on, the top-down process of building, designing, looking at all the different materials that go into making uh, really the best place to live in Cleveland. So mm. what we do have uh, in our portfolio currently at our firm is a list of subsequent other types of multifamily complexes that integrate other types of community elements inside you know, your everyday life. So not just apartments in an apartment building, but we also have cool community spaces like co-working offices and uh, mm -hmm. hybrid workspace where people, if they want to live at the same building that they work at, they have separate spaces to do so. So mm -hmm. that's really our, our whole um, thesis that we're pushing. We're trying to really elevate and um, emphasize just making a better life and a better quality of life for people um, who are living here in Cleveland. So we have a lot of different projects we're working on. We have a cool bunch of different buildings that are popping up here in Cleveland. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, be on the lookout for it. And the one that I currently uh, also represent and live at is Electric Gardens. So that's my place where you'll see on tiger.pulse. That's actually our Instagram handle for JRock uh, development. And that Instagram shows the whole catalog of every single picture, event, all the different commercial video and photo content um, that I put together for, for JRock. So that's really sweet. How did you uh, how did you get started with the company? Yeah, so it was a really interesting uh, bridge that somehow found its way uh, years later, um, kind of just resurfacing, and I just just so happened to walk across it um, again, not knowing that I would. Um, you know, hindsight. Obviously, everything's 2020, and I wanted to, you know, maximize every opportunity that I could in college. But, um, you know, my freshman year, I was working freelance, doing lots of different projects for restaurants, um, independent entrepreneurs. Um, I was shooting for like the Cleveland Indians on some occasions, doing some small little photos for them um, and video projects here and there. But I had ran into an entrepreneur in the Ohio City area, and long story short, was shooting some video for them ended up kind of running into Limelight. Uh, Limelight was the co-working space that was right next door to the business that I was shooting content for at the time. And I had shot a small project for them just because it was like kind of good company and something that uh, I wanted to put out there. It was like an extra little assignment for me at the time. And then mm -hmm. years later, after I'm applying for jobs, you know, senior year, I had done you know, 200 plus other projects before then. And now I'm like a way bunch more leg up on my education and just like overall experience. So um, the owner of the company had reached out to me and was asking for somebody or if I knew anybody who worked in social media or had an eye for marketing. And I was mm -hmm. like, 
I do know a lot of people who can <laughs> do that, but I just graduated from John Carroll University with a bachelor's in marketing. And I think I know the right guy who could do that for you. And uh, so I literally dug into my Dropbox uh, folders and like my archive. And I still had the same video with a live link of the first Limelight commercial that I had ever shot for him. So it was like, you know, four or five years later that I had still had the file on me. But I was like, yeah, if you want more stuff like this, like, let's do it. I'd love to talk. So, um, you know, it's a year and a half later and I'm going on. Uh, my second full-time year here at J-Rock Development. So it's a, it's a true blessing. That's, that's awesome. I love that because um, that's like something Sam and I have been talking about a lot is with the right alignment, the right assignment comes. Absolutely. Like as we're going about doing our things, like when you're walking in alignment and doing what you're supposed to do, not what A, B, and C tells you to do, but like what you're supposed to do, even if the people don't see it at that time, like the fact that this opportunity popped up five years later and you're like, yo, we did this work together. Like if you want more of this from four years ago, um, it reminded me of that story. I don't know if you guys heard some guy who worked for Oprah. This was when like social media just started. He posted on his, his YouTube, I think every day for like a hundred days and his max amount of views was 11 views. He said five of them were himself on different laptops and then his mom, his aunt. And um, he said that Oprah somehow stumbled on his account and she was looking for someone who was doing what he did. And Oprah reached out to him and was like, hey, can you do this for me? And that's how he got started with Oprah. But it's like when you think about it, like what we define as success, right? He only got 11 views. Half of them are him, his mom. But because he was in his right alignment, like the right assignment came through. So that reminded me of that story. Absolutely, man. I, uh, I do think the alignment, um, with the assignment is, is a hundred percent, uh, accurate in, in a valid statement because with, with what everyone's focusing on, I think nowadays it's very easy to get caught up in, you know, just the everyday social media content, TikTok, or like, you know, there's just endless reels that we could just scroll through and yeah. like, all these different things. It's very easy to take our attention off of what our primary focus is. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, positionally, every single time that we run into our new opportunity, it's about capitalizing and executing on that specific time at that moment. And not a lot of people uh, understand, right? There's, there's a lot of different trials to that. You have to almost like get the idea of not wanting to resort back to your default comfort zone. Um, and then just taking on like that next awkward step, which inherently is like you learning as a human. So mm -hmm. I, I really agree with that though. That's awesome. What was uh, an awkward step that you've taken? An awkward step that I've taken. That's a really great question. That, I've never heard him ask that before. Now I'm thinking about it. Wow. Well, here, let me, let me see. We, we should all, we should all go around and answer this one. An awkward step. Hmm. All right. I got a pretty good one. Um, one thing for me that was an awkward step um, was literally away from my first ever job into the video territory. And it seems like forever ago, I'm, I'm thinking about it like six, seven years ago when I was talking to my dad about, hey, I think I wanna make like videos like full time. 
like, I think there's a place for this in the future. And I was, you know, going back and forth with my mom about it a little bit. And, you know, they were, they wanted me to go maybe take advantage of like, I was really good in math in high school. So, you know, maybe practicing medicine or something in the sciences. So like, that was kind of the, the all around plan. But when I particularly brought up video, um, it was an awkward step to address it to my dad, because I originally, my entire childhood have a background in home improvement. So my dad owns a home improvement business. And my first job was, you know, picking up shingles and scraps on the floor at a roof job. Uh, and long 10, 12 hour laborious days in the sun, you know, shingling, uh, handing material, throwing it into a trailer. Like there's all these like really intensive, uh, like just blue collar tasks that I would have to do all the time. And that stemmed into landscaping, that stemmed into all these different other uh, tasks that involved upgrading a home. So I learned naturally how to build homes. And my my background in that was so, so like, like, I guess I was just getting a little bit more educated about it. I understood that, wow, I could do this and build my own home when I'm a little bit older. But as soon as I had to make the conversation to my dad that I wanted to lean away from the construction work and start making a little bit more, you know, ground up financially for myself to support myself in a little bit of an easier way was with video. And that was really hard to talk to my dad about for the first time because he, you know, I'm more, more like all of our parents for, for that matter, that it's a very hard, um, you know, industry and idea to grasp, Hey, social media, it's like, we go outside and we go take pictures and we go make videos for people and they pay for it. And I'd like, there's like a true incentive and, and value behind that. Cause they need it like every week and they need a new one every different day. And it's like, mm. there's there, there really is, you know, the demand curves is, is, is itself there. But I think when I wanted to tell my dad, like, Hey man, I know I'm sitting here comfortably working with you. I love, you know, the support and the family and everything, but as soon as I could, you know, maybe maximize a little bit more of my video gigs, I am making a little bit more over here, just trying to do it. I think it's easier. And plus I don't come off, you know, the roof job with bumps and bruises on my arms. So it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, Hey, I'm going to work a little bit smarter, not harder. So what was your, your dad's initial reaction? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. Like, um, he's an entrepreneur himself. So, uh, his, his, philosophy and attitude towards it was always supportive. Uh, there's never been a time where my dad says like, ah, I don't think you should do that. He's always been a, a true steward of, you know, just whatever I wanted to try and chase. And whether it's talking about cryptocurrencies or like the next financial move I want to make or where I'm living or, um, you know, even as something as simple as just like talking about if I want to work for him anymore. Um, nowadays, I still keep just as close of a relationship with him and his reaction at the time wasn't exactly like, oh, yeah, no, 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 you shouldn't be you shouldn't be doing that. You need to work for me. He, he would have never have done that. Like basically he feathered me on and off the jobs to the point where I said, Hey, I have a video gig in Michigan this weekend. It's going to be the, this is the budget that they're paying me versus what I would have been paid. I'm, not, I'm no, no harm, no foul. I'm just saying like, yeah. I want to go take on this opportunity because I think it's going to, you know, push me up the ladder a little bit more. So that was my attitude towards it. Hmm. That's awesome. That's great that he was definitely supportive through it. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Sam, what was an awkward step you took? I've been trying to think about it low-key while I was listening to, to Owen here. Um, I think, 
similar to what Owen said, mine was really early on in the beginning of starting my business. Um, and it was, it, it had to be when, when I moved the gym from a parking lot to a storage unit, that was kind of an awkward step because when we were in the parking lot, it was essentially little to no risk, right? It looked more so as like a hobby at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was COVID time. So, you know, people needed somewhere to, to go work out. And then it kind of just made sense when you were thinking about it. And then we needed somewhere to like store gym equipment or like have, you know, more things accessible, but we didn't have the the resources to actually get a legitimate space. And so like we rented out this 15 foot by 20 foot storage unit for like two months just to kind of like collect gym equipment and to, you know, run clients through and everything before we moved on to our first, you know, legit space. So I think that was my, my awkward step. And that was kind of, I got the first taste of like getting some skin in the game financially, you know? Absolutely. Was the, the storage unit, was it just an idea at first just to store the equipment there? Like, what was the idea that you're like, oh, I can actually train people out of this like 16 by 14 foot place? Was It was, it was a little bit like yes and no. So I was carrying around gym equipment in my car uh, before. And so I would have like barbells, whiteboards, dumbbells, bands and stuff in my little Toyota Corolla. And uh, I would just have to empty it out if I wanted to drive everyone, anyone else or my, my dog somewhere, you know, cause it was just packed to the brim. So I was like, there's gotta be a more efficient way to do this. So the, the storage unit was more so we can start like keeping gym equipment there. I don't have to worry about moving things all the time or like, you know, mm-hmm. if a piece of equipment would come up, um, you know, I can just not have to worry about knowing I'm gonna have to store it in my apartment. I can just buy it and, you know, put it in there until we moved on to a bigger space. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Gabe, what was your awkward step? I think it was finally like recording our first podcast. When we first did it, um, I remember we did it at the library. We left, we were at our dad's house. They were having people coming, people were coming over and we're like, all right, we got to get this. Like we're going to the library. We went to our local library and I just remember like, I felt like this maximum amount of fear before I press record. And then once we, pre- I, I was so set in, like we had like a script that we were kind of following and I just felt so awkward doing it. But once we got the first one down, I was like, and even in the end of that episode, I told you, Sam, I was like, this was epic. Like, I love this. And I think also I want to take this moment to like give credit to mom our mom was an HR and she used to interview job candidates all the time. And like the subconscious imprinting on me, like playing video games while she's on the phone, working from home, like interviewing people for a job. It was never like, all right, can, are you able to do this job? She'd ask like, what's your dream job? Like, what do you envision yourself doing in 10 years? And she'd ask these like deep thought provoking questions. And she just cared about people. I think so that like, imprinting on me made me love interviewing even more and made it like a right step for me too and now like three years later like we're still doing this this like fires me up brings me so much joy so um yeah that's what i'd say was the first awkward step also because i was 17 i was like a junior in high school like my friends at the lunch table you guys know how it is at ed's like they were like oh beef starting a podcast like always talking this it was funny like a few few years later some of those same guys were like yo can i come on the podcast and I was like well like but um 
yeah it's just it's just a while like i don't know that, i think that was my first awkward step well, well i think the you know even going off with what you're saying there um the the idea of having those first podcasts come out and you know having a little bit of pushback from your peers you know maybe a little bit of commotions going on yeah. throughout the hallways um i can relate like through and through 100% i was in you know spanish class i remember it like it was yesterday and my intro to my video starts playing from somebody's laptop in the first 5 minutes of class and i'm like oh geez man i'm getting all red in the face i'm like like really like nothing worse could be going on right now and you know years later i'm sitting here like i'm so glad i put that video out because now i have videos i have more experience i have more that i could put on the table as opposed to that point and really like the lesson learned was i needed to release that weird cringy video and push it out to all my students to know how it felt you know like you would you're never going to feel quite like that until someone else that you don't know or you don't quite like in class is sitting there making jokes at you about what you're just trying to work on which now that we look at it, it's like what are you what are you trying to laugh about like what <laughs> yeah. who, who are you trying to impress like i'm sitting here doing something cool for myself so yeah definitely yeah there's something that's super vulnerable about taking imperfect action and having it out on display you know 100 okay. percent. and i think that's having just purely having the willingness to do that and to kind of sit through that i think means is is, a, is an early sign that is like hey you're gonna persevere through it and mm. you know get to that next that next step for sure yeah, man. i'm getting the bumps man this is good <laughs> just thinking about like the the firsts of everything like going back to that time i think even if all three of us like if we were told at that time like the things that would happen be like no way you know and uh but i think we don't we don't give ourselves enough credit sometimes too to like the amazing things we do like truly sitting within you're like all right like i started at at this point like look where i'm at now um and recognizing that growth, I think, is super, super important when you're like diving into that next thing when you're going. So sure. I'm curious, uh, something that was on my heart earlier when I was thinking about this podcast. Um, what's one small thing that you do? Oh, and that leads to to success that maybe someone can't see at face value. So question is if you could repeat it one more time what's one thing that yeah. i do that is valuable valuable for me that doesn't show at face value or i'm sorry if you could repeat yeah it. yeah like like something small that you do that maybe someone doesn't think plays a huge role in what you do but actually is like super crucial i think one thing that's very, very, very crucial um, for me, and it's the reality of all editing and post-production in media is being by yourself um, in a space where you feel comfortable with your ideas that you're tossing, you know, straight through to whatever device or tool you're working on. Um, you know, Maximilian Peralta, he was uh, the last guest you guys had interviewed 
um, or had released on your podcast. And he's my best friend. He, he did this painting behind me and his whole philosophy in art school, you know, his entire time was if I can make my time by myself valuable and I could work on this stuff, I don't have to worry about anybody else. Like if I know how to centralize that time, if I can make it self-directed and I could lock in and get into that flow state, that that is powerful. That is like the cheat code. And mm. for me, these past years, I've had so much time, you know, at the tail end of every single day um, in the late hours, just editing by myself in my bedroom, like legitimately, it's always been right back to my desk that was right next to my bed. And I'm sitting there, whether it was on my Lenovo laptop or now my iMac Pro, it's like the, the setup and the monitors just kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I knew that I would sit there and call this my, my like commander station. Like this is where I go to battle. Um, and whether my emotions were telling me something different that day, or like mentally, I was a little bit bogged down. I knew that my battle station is where I can actually dedicate all that time and just escape sometimes. So that to me is like, it's a, it's one thing hundred percent that you need in video spaces, almost some like solitude. You need some, you need some, some private time where no one else is going to like thoughts can come in over the shoulders as much as they want, but ultimately it's one person's decision and how they want that thing to play left to right or how they want it to look uh, when you cursor left to right through each photo. So um, yeah, it, it's it's really interesting, but I like working by myself. Mm. I like how you put that kind of like your, your battle station. That's where, that's where you go to work. Oh, yeah. That's where you go to craft. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, I think solitude. I mean, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was probably going to say the same thing you were about to say with the solitude of, you know, after you get through the, the mundane tasks of whatever you know you have to do for that day and then kind of going back retreating to your you know your space and kind of to you know taking a deep breath and then just getting laser focused for whatever amount of time whether it be a half hour a couple hours i think that's when you know the true work is put in when when there isn't a crowd yeah and i think you know even like going off that you know sam it's like the the idea of having people around you and your community around you is ultimately what's shaping what you're working on too. So, you know, I think that's like a really valuable point, you know, that's kind of speaking volumes to um, whatever type of media we're all working on, you know, collaterally or collaboratively or however you see fit. The, the, I, the idea of sitting there and constantly going in and you know, making progress out of something that might not seem you know very big or large at the time, we are we are constantly developing. We're constantly learning, you know, how to make it a little bit better. So even if the first video wasn't great, even if the first podcast wasn't great, it's like we still have time on our own to dial that in. And the only thing we're working against is time. So it's just a matter of you know, kind of like sitting down and uh, you know, telling yourself. How do I focus and make like a habit out of this? Or how do I make a rhythm out of this? Um, because that's that's all of life, you know, just figuring out what other types of steps you can make, you know. Definitely. How often do you uh do you work on a project like that and it's just like you just can't get it to to hit, or you it's just not turning out the way you want to turn out? Do you like do you walk away from it or do you have you like just trashed them all together and just moved on to the next thing? What does that process look like for you? Because I know we all experience that, whatever medium we're working on. So 
I mean, it, it, it goes in all shapes and sizes. It, it really could go any way. You know, when, when you have a product that you shot at a gig and, you know, you're there, all this video clips came out onto the timeline and the product to the client, let's say, doesn't look exactly as they wanted it. Um, but now, now you're looking at all of your, your bucket of, of tools that you had collected and you're like, well, how do I put this puzzle together completely different? You know, like the very, very, very big step to take, especially when some of those puzzle pieces don't necessarily fit with each other. And that is its own science. Like that's its own art right there. Being able to take what you've already collected and repurpose it in a completely new way. And I think, you know, as soon as I, I got under, you know, five, 12, 20 plus gigs, you know, you're going to sit there and walk up to someone and ask them a couple more questions about like, Hey, are you looking for X, Y, and Z is like, are these, are these things that are very clear, you know, instead of just a phone call before the, the video gig or the photo shoot, now there's a document that gets emailed to them that says, here's our scope of work. Here's what we're trying to, you know, get done today. And in comes a producer who's also managing that while you're on set, you know, at, at, at a video shoot. So it's like having all of these different, you know, objectives in place and knowing, hey, it's got to be planned out. We know we got to get something like across the board and shot, um, especially in the media industry. It's like critical. It, it's so important. So, um, yeah, that happens all too often. And, you know, it, the great thing about it now is that it doesn't happen as often uh, as it used to. So, um, yeah. I think it's interesting with like creating media for someone else versus yourself. Cause I've had that, you know, posting on social media, I'm a lot more comfortable posting like a clip of me saying something versus it's a little more difficult for me to post like someone from a podcast saying something on a clip, because that's like what I see as valuable. Like when they tell a story about this, I'm like, Oh, this is great content. Like I want to put this out, but I put a lot more pressure on myself when I'm doing the ones for other people to make sure it's like something that you know, not only is valuable to me, but like how I incorporate like the audience, what are they going to think of it? And I think it's, um, it's definitely really difficult to create for others versus, you know, creating for yourself, putting things out there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think my, my time in, in creating a lot of content for myself on social media is what taught me how to learn and manage more media platforms, you know, for any mm -hmm. platform that we have, speaking of like Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, um, you know, just by doing it yourself, you learn a lot about what, what, what's the uptick, you know, like what, how much traffic actually comes to each one of these posts? Is it like 50 likes or is it like 150 likes? And then now is the comparing and contrast, you know, type discussions that are coming up where uh, over time, as you get more comfortable with that, it just becomes part of the game. It's like, all right, we know we got to, you know, fuel up the content uh, package here for five different assets. We know we got to get all those out this week. And that's just part of the plan. Let's work on the next subsequent ones. So um, yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's all part of the process. And I love working on stuff and just getting better. How did you go about that process of like, putting something out there that you're really proud of that only gets like 23 likes. How did you compare that to something maybe you like weren't as proud of or didn't put as much time and effort into that got like thousands? 
Well, there's always another post. Uh, there's enough likes and, and views to go around for everybody. Um, and taking a post at face value is, I think, the uh, is like the pro tip for everybody. It's like once it's released out there, think about the next one, um, because that's all you can do. Um, you know, you're counting your losses if you're looking at all the different comments and making sure that it's like, oh, this is doing X, Y, and Z better than this one. Well, part of that's valuable, like in in a stretch if you're comparing it to like 30 posts. But if we're looking one at a time, you know, that to me, my, my advice for that is, you know, just don't look into the weeds of it, you know, just just figure out what it is about making the product better instead of what's the actual like feedback. Now, maybe there are some constructive critiques, you know, amongst some of the feedback you're getting that are valuable. And I think those are even more, more important to, you know, double down on and take into consideration. But uh, the, the key thing there is not looking into it to a point where it's, uh, you know, detrimental or, you know, diminishing your own kind of psyche in the whole process, because, it's really easy to get bogged down with all these, you know, Instagram comments and dislikes and, you know, whatever people want to try and cancel each other for. It's uh, yeah, it's a different space nowadays. Definitely. What do you do outside of your, your work and your profession that grounds you or, you know, makes you feel alive in a sense? Yeah, man, I think growing up skateboarding, I've had always that activity in my back pocket. I could still skateboard and it's something, you know, obviously we got some snow on the ground right now in the parking lot. So I'm not exactly outside skating today, but that's one thing during uh, the summertime, especially like there's a bunch of public parks around here. Um, I love doing that. And that's just like my time where I can only focus on what's going on beneath my feet. Mm. So that's like a very, very, very true activity for me. And it's therapeutic uh, to, to an extent. And on top of that, I would say absolutely aside my, my full-time work that I do in terms of marketing, um, you know, our real estate, uh, collective firm here, our work for my, for my portfolio, like the last three, four years has kind of been a private, uh, study and a just collection of all my different other video projects that I'm mm -hmm. still obviously able to work on because I still have a camera um, and I still have people reaching out to me uh, to do different types of projects. So one thing that I think keeps me really grounded on top of my work Monday through Friday um, is being able to, you know, link up with uh, musicians that are local here in the area um, or even like people like my, my younger brother, AJ, uh, he's a, he's a DJ here in the city. Yeah. And I, I heard about him. I've seen some posts. Yeah, he's uh, he's popping off, man. And uh, he's having so much fun with it. But, you know, even his next step that we were just talking about, like last night till all hours was uh, mm -hmm. recording a live set of him doing some some performing um, and doing, you know, a lot of different DJs uh, where they're having online now they, they post like these 30, 40 minute cuts of them doing an entire set. And that's kind of like, I also have a little bit of background in live production uh, with video. So um, doing live sets of people recording and, and all the moving parts there is uh, kind of something we're working on for him. So like little projects like that on the weekends, um, especially music videos, um, doing photography, shooting reference photography for a lot of Maximilian's uh, portraits. Uh, that he paints, like all of those different extra opportunities I could do, plus my my real work, um, keeps me grounded in like the best way possible. It's really the only thing I could do that kind of uh, creatively keeps my brain going and keeps me sane and, and comfortable with what I've 
really, you know, my entire career. Uh, it's been just, you know, me, camera bag, got my lenses, got my memory cards and stuff. And, uh, you know, I see where that camera bag takes me, whatever room I walk into, you know, I'm, I'm shaking people's hands and, uh, you know, putting a smile on my face. So that, that's been the attitude and, you know, the philosophy ever since I, I began. But yeah, it's like every day is a, a, another opportunity to learn. So I love that. And I love uh, how you were like, yeah, last night, you and your brother, you said AJ. Yeah. Just AJ, just at all hours, just like talk, you know, I think there's there's something special, especially like with your brother, I can say um, the conversations you have. And it's just like, I don't even know how to to put it like the support, but also that you're creating something like with family, someone you've known your your whole life is super special. I mean, absolutely. Um, I mean, speaking volumes to what's going on right now, you know, we got we got two brothers in the in the chat here uh, interviewing me. And um, I can't speak highly enough for how important family is and how uh, keeping those relationships in your life uh, is so symbolic. It's like, you know, every single day, I think a lot of people find a reason to like not talk to their brothers or, you know, they're getting in their hair. It's like, you know, sister and brother in a fight or whatever. It's like, obviously there's, there's, um, there's pluses and minuses for everyone's particular uh, situation. But I think living with my brother, my entire life, like I grew up, uh, you know, going through grade school, we went to the same grade school, same high school and same college together. So we graduated and we're like next to each other, living next to each other in dorms, like across from the hallway. Like these were, this is just like a complete uh, anomaly that this would have randomly just happened. It's just so happened to happen subsequently mm. year. And now he and I are tied at the hip. You know, mm. it's, it's one thing that um, inside of his DJ career currently, he's working on producing music, learning how to do everything different every single day, plus performing, still doing his everyday job. And I'm like the video creative hand. So I know how to market that. I could, I can help him out in that way. And that was mm. a lot of how he actually got his start was, you know, just me introducing him to a few people I had worked with. And I, you know, climbed up the ladder a little bit here in, in, in Cleveland's video scene, kind of finding myself at all the different restaurants, the biggest nightclubs, or, you know, the biggest events that were happening annually. And Hey, if you get five, you know, projects under your belt, if your brother is coming up with open arms and has all the equipment and he's like, you know, the next best person, hell yeah. Like that's the person that I want next in line working mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're cut from the same cloth. So uh, just like this and, and really everything that's been, been going on in the background. Like I, there's no one else that I want to help more than my family. Mm. So, um, it kind of just makes sense, right? Like this podcast makes real sense for you guys, uh, because you both have a passion for it. So no, I love how you said, Oh, go ahead, Sam. No, you can go again. Um, I was just going to say the, the lat, like when you talk about like climbing up the, the ladder with like being in Cleveland and stuff, it reminded me, I think I was like, 13 or 14 and uh our grandpa bunu he comes up to me he's like gabriel he's like you know what i do when i like climb to the top of the ladder and i was like bunu you like put another ladder on top and like climbed up further like to see how high you could get and he looks at me he's like he's like no he's like i go back down for the family and bring them up with me that just reminded me so much and like my i was 12 13 i i I didn't think anything of it, but now like looking back on it, I'm like, man, like that's everything. Like 
climbing up that ladder, but also it's like bringing those people with you, your family, especially, um, is something. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, one interesting story that kind of parallels to that is, uh, before my grandpa had passed away a few years ago, he and I, when I was growing up, my dad, his first thing that he would get my younger brother and I for Christmas was a new puzzle. We'd had to work on a new puzzle. So naturally we started working up the ladder a little bit in those and I graduated to a Rubik's cube. So I had three by three Rubik's cubes all the way to seven by seven. So like these crazy, just like mastermind puzzles where it takes you an hour to solve them. And my grandpa, he had saw me at Christmas and I was doing the Rubik's cube and I was solving it. And he had never done anything like that. That's not like he, he's an accordion player, classically trained in pianos, been playing for 40 years. You know, he's a performer. That's that's what's in his blood. And he was interested and intrigued about my puzzle. And so I'm sitting there. I got a picture um, uh, that's in my dad's phone, but it's like just me and him sitting next to each other. I was trying to teach him exactly how this thing comes together. And, you know, it'd take a couple of days, probably hindsight, you know, to try and get that to go through all the way. But um, it's little things like that, you know, just the symbolic nature of bringing your family together, making sure you have it there um, as your ground zero. It's like, if you don't got family or your health, what do you really got? You know, mm. it's kind of hard. So. 100%. Do you and your brother currently live together or no? No. So I live on my own and he lives also by himself. Um, and yeah, we, we moved out of the same house. So we lived next to each other. Um, in the same home at college uh, when we were both at John Carroll. So uh, we stayed with each other that whole time. And then now we're both on our own separate lanes here, kind of working. Nice. How did you balance the the college scene where a lot of it's, you know, go to class if you go to class and then just like partying, drinking every weekend? How did you keep the, the right people around you um, and do what what you do? Well, I growing up was not the biggest, uh, you know, like socialite, maybe is maybe if that's a term, I wasn't very, uh, you know, out and about talking to everybody, trying to go to the next party or, you know, be be floating to the biggest, you know, rager on the weekend. I know during college, that's like, especially like the biggest point in people's lives growing up. It's like, wow, I'm away from my parents and I have the freedom and liberty to do whatever I want on the weekends. And to me, that was never like a really, really, really big point in my life where I was like, hey, I should like take advantage of all this time um, that I have free. But, you know, when I was going to school, I had a lot for myself that I needed to support academically. Like I had a standard from St. Ed's that, you know, I graduated with 4.0 um, from St. Ed's and I wanted to academically perform in college. So I know if I'm going to sit here and perform, I'm going to have to study. So that means not as much partying. And for all my other friends, they're like trying to go to the bar and stuff like, sure, there's time for that. Um, I did for sure, not, not even going to try and like dance around it. I absolutely went out and had some fun with some of my friends during that time. But, you know, the point that I was trying to always remind myself was this isn't the end goal, right? Like I shouldn't like ascribe to come here and this be my validation for the day or the week, mm -hmm. you know, better yet. Like there's more to it. There's more to life. There's more to fulfilling myself and like making myself happy. So when I was in college, I'm sitting there after class, 
calling people, like feeding DMs. Like I might even have been editing videos in half of my lecture classes, but some at, at the end of the day, I was still getting my work done. You know, I had I had ways to, to be able to study and I was always a, a very good student. So um, I wasn't performing necessarily the best um, in college as compared to high school, but I was getting my work done. Um, and I was looking down the road kind of a little bit further. So mm-hmm. that, that, that's kind of how my, my feathering of, of that on and off with work and then school and then like, well, hey, we got family and girlfriends and like all this other stuff to try and think about. Meanwhile, you're growing up and in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> which is like the, yeah. the craziest of all things that have happened there too, on top of all of it. So yeah, that's kind of how I balanced it though. Owen, I want to be conscientious of your time. Um, we always ask this one question and you can take a few beats before you answer. Um, if you could text yourself five years in the past, what would you say and why? And then if you could text yourself five years in the future, what would you say and why? Okay. Um, that's a great question. That's a really good one. Um, we love asking it. Cause like when, when three, four or five years down the line, we're like doing another interview, we can like clip this and we'll take it back and we'll have your answer. Then we'll just keep building off of it. You know, that's awesome, man. Um, one thing that I was told by my father, um, and I think he was told by his father, um, growing up, it's one thing that kind of is always in our DNA. Um, I think specifically to my family, it's just like the Zubex. Um, we, we love to work and there's a lot of things that we can always work on. We always love our projects, but when it gets down to it, sometimes you just need to smell the roses. And I think that's what I would text myself five years before and five years after I would say, um, smell the roses, three words. And because, you know, that kind of, you know, reflecting on my past few years, I've spent a lot of time out of class, away from my friends, um, not in a bad way, but in a constructive way, learning how to do the next thing um, and learning how to, you know, maximize another opportunity, maybe, you know, financially benefit myself in one way or another. Um, you know, those are all things that we ought to be ascribing for. So I didn't see it as something bad, but, you know, amongst the thick of it, you are sacrificing a lot of time away from what you really could be utilizing that time for, which is, you know, making friends, maybe uh, getting to know other people or, you know, even being closer to your family, um, you know, most importantly. So uh, things like that, you know, my, my entire life so far has been a lot of uh, expedited decisions that I really wanted to speed up and see if I could like up the ante more and more. And uh, it's very easy to just, you know, walk by the flower bed and not smell the roses. So that would be my, uh, that would be my message to myself. I love it. That's awesome, man. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you being on and I appreciate you um, showing up as your, your true authentic self. Um, It definitely radiates to, to everyone. It's radiating to me. I know it's radiating to Gabe and I hope it can, you know, radiate to uh, our listeners. So I just want to thank you for, thank you for that. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate you guys uh, inviting me on to tell a little bit about myself and uh, what I'm working on. But yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm more than happy to come back on and, and share my thoughts as well in the future. So please don't uh, be a stranger to me. All right, guys. Yeah, we'll we'll have the the plane come pick you up for the, the studio. I set out the, the intention for 2023 is getting the studio. Um, so we're working on that one. Um, and just to 
piggyback off what Sam said. I appreciate you, Owen. Um, thank you for being you. And it's it's been cool to to go from like I think I remember um Cson telling me like yo watch this guy's videos like you can learn a lot from him and I remember watching some of your videos on camera work and stuff like that and I just thought it was so dope I love people who who are vlogging like just storytelling I've always been attracted to that and that's what came of this um so I really appreciate you and uh yeah we'll stay in touch we'll have to get back together when we're in Cleveland um and yeah um if you made it this far in this episode Appreciate you, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Peace.